Welcome to a new episode of Bangkong Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez and I am still filling in for our usual host, Chef Michael Bedrang. The plan is for Mike to be back here uh, for the next episode, so if you've been missing him, let not your heart be troubled. Mike will be back soon. We've been bringing you conversations in the meantime, uh, recorded by phone rather than in person, which is our usual MO, uh, but keeping our distance in light of this COVID-19 stuff with a range of people on how they've been experiencing and adjusting for the coronavirus outbreak. This time around, we have three guests from three totally different segments of the food world. First up, John Falco, the co-founder and president of Fire Pit Hospitality, which is the company behind Miami's Lincoln's Beard Brewery and Strange Beast, a brew pub and pizzeria. Next up, you'll hear from Jason Schondorfer, whose name I hope I pronounced right, but I doubt that. Jason and his wife Melanie own and operate Babe's Meat and Counter, a specialty meat retailer and sandwich shop in Miami. Bonus points for you if you get the reference being made with the business's mascot, Babe Froman, the sausage queen of Miami. Finally, we'll talk with Deandra Lamas, Yelp's senior community manager for Miami, about the changes she's seen both in Miami's businesses and consumer behavior on the street and on the Yelp platform during the coronavirus outbreak. Let's start with John. John Falco has not yet been a guest on Pankong Podcast, although I'm sure that we'll have him on for a full in-person interview when the dust settles. However, he has been a guest on two other podcasts with connections to this one. First, he was on Tea Time with Mike and Mike, hosted by Michael Ortiz of JoJo Tea. Quick little shout out for Mike and JoJo Tea. You can find them at sipjojo.com. Uh, and also co-hosted by our own Michael Beltrán. And he has also been a guest on the Dade podcast, which I host. Uh, I'll put links to both of those podcasts in the description of this episode, as well as the episode's page on dademag.com. If you have the time, I would recommend listening to those, not just for context, but also because John's an interesting guy and the two podcasts still hold up. Now here is the coronavirus-related conversation that I had recently with John Falco. So uh, thanks, John, for uh, for joining us on Pankong Podcast. We've we've talked here and there about bringing you on as a regular guest, and and it just kind of hasn't happened for a variety of reasons. No but, worries. You know, uh, so we got you on now to talk about this, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus apocalypse, and uh, yeah. and and then somewhere down the road we'll actually uh, get together for food and beer and the whole thing in a regular virus-free episode of the show. Um, yeah, that sounds very good. <laughs> But yeah. for for now, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about well, just personally, how you've experienced this thing. Setting aside the business side of it, uh, are are you're good? Yeah. Your family's good? All that? Yeah, you know, everyone everyone is good. You know, everyone is good. Everyone's healthy, as far as we know. Obviously, you know, much like the strong strong majority of Americans, we have not been tested, but everyone's feeling good. No symptoms. Everyone's uh, as happy as could be. You know, my. My wife, bless her heart, is a bit of a uh, bit of a warrior, so I'm trying to keep her at bay. But um, you know, we're as good as we could possibly be given the given the you know the circumstances. So, absolutely. Okay, good. So, tell me a bit about how you've experienced this on the business side. So, you've got and refresh my memory a little bit because the, uh, I, I know that there there had been some changes about your involvement in in Lincoln's Beard. Uh, but you got Strange Beast, sure. Lincoln's Beard, and 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 any other projects that that I'm not aware of. Yeah, yeah. So what's cur- so currently we have Lincoln's Beard, which was the original one, which is out on Bird and Palmetto. Um, that's a big uh, 4,200 square foot brewery. That's where we do all of our brewing at the moment. Um, then uh, in June of of last year, we opened Strange Beast, which is uh, probably more pizzeria than it is brew pub. We've recently kind of moved these tanks out. We're going to bring in a smaller uh, system, but out West has been very well received. Same, different aesthetic, but ultimately the same same uh, approach. You know, really just being a neighborhood spot that provides the best possible experience. Um, so we're cooking out west, and then down in Palmetto Bay, down another underserved neighborhood down there, we are going to pop up. Uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, apocalypse. Uh, you know, within the context of the. Uh, current apocalypse we we hope to open in june ish that'll probably be pushed back but um down there in palmetto bay we're gonna do another group pub pizzeria that one 
but again, a totally different aesthetic, but same, same vibe, same experience, maybe a little bit more upscale, but, uh, upscale is certainly not the right word to use. Just, um, you know, just maybe a little bit more, uh, a little less industrial than, than what we have out here at Strange Beast. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. Uh, kind of running through, you know, the, the timeline from normal to mm-hmm. now, which is kind of the way that I've been framing it for people. Yeah. Uh, talk me mm-hmm. through at what point you made what changes. Cause so far the people we've spoken to have not had that brewery aspect of, of the business. Uh, so kind of talk sure. me through at, at what point did you shift in what directions here? Yep. I mean, so, so the, the D day, if you will, was, was certainly on St. Patrick's day. So St. Patrick's day. We, um, we made it or actually the night before St. Patrick's Day, we made the decision to eliminate all events um, that we had uh, scheduled for the, for the next 30 days from that day, eliminate all that music, eliminate all of that. Just we wanted to force, force reduce um, our, our guest count. Uh, and then, of course, on St. Patty's Day, we got word that we had to, uh, um, had to shut the doors, which is absolutely the, the right choice. Um, so we, we shuttered and, um, moved to a takeout at Lincoln's Beard. We don't have any, um, well, we have food now, but at that point we didn't have any food at Lincoln's Beard. So we, we did uh, takeout beer over there and we immediately pushed to, um, a, a totally business, a total different business model over here at Exchange, which is takeout and delivery in-house and Uber Eats. Um, that, that was all done on March 17th. So. March 17th plus 24 hours, uh, myself and Monica Vega, the office manager, just frankly, just, just sat down and, and um, sat down with Todd, my business partner and our CFO and, and said, all right, we got to change our entire business model. So we did, we did. And um, that includes pricing structure, menu, menu design, everything, approach, Instagram, social media, you know, it was just, it was a hell of a lot of work and it could only have happened under the circumstance, you know, um, we have a fantastic team who was willing to, you know, what I've been telling them the last 24 to 48 hours, I'm like, you know, uh, we're very lucky that we have a relatively small team, so we're going to keep grinding, but you guys need to be, be ready to do more than you've ever done, different things than you've ever done for less money than you've ever done it. So you need, you know, if, if we all don't have the right mindset, then we're not going to get through this. Right. So, um, yeah, and, and that's, that's, uh, yeah, that works out. You know, we're, we're very lucky. We're right now. We still have our entire staff, you know, everyone's hours, everyone's, you know, pay is coming down um, temporarily, but we're going to do what we have to do to survive, you know, and that's really it. It's one single goal. You know, the single goal is to survive, survive in every aspect of the word and, you know, and then uh, do that by just looking at the person next to you and, and being as selfless as you can possibly be. Yeah. And that's really it. Yeah. Have, have you, uh, so in, um, when we put this out, I, I think it'll be two episodes before that we, we did a, a whole episode that was just a conversation with Mike about how his restaurant group and how he were, you know, was dealing with, uh, with this thing, which for all I know, honestly, I haven't had a chance to talk to him much since then. So for all I know, yeah. if we had that conversation today, it'd be a radically different picture. Um, yeah. So, but in, in your case, you know, sorry, the, the reason I bring Mike up is he talks about, well, you know, sure. we, we've had to shift from being a fine dining brand to being a comfort brand. Uh, mm-hmm. in your case, uh, you know, I wonder what your perspective is on, on that and how being a comfort brand affects your business. Cause it's hard to imagine something more like fitting for being holed up on your couch than beer and pizza. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, talk a bit yeah, about absolutely. how, about that aspect of it. Cause at least on the product side, did you find that you didn't really have to make too many adjustments because of where you already were? Correct. Yeah. You know, we were postured uh, and I, I wish I could say this was intentional, but of course, you know, um, none of us uh, uh, laymen, you know, saw this coming at this scale, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, just our products, you know, we were postured in a good way. Um, we, we had a canning run set up. So, so we had beer and cans that were easy to easy deliver, easy to take out. Um, and we, we jumped at the opportunity to lean ahead on a lot of other things like, like getting, uh, getting a crowd machine, which is going to come in tomorrow at, at our strange side base. It just gives the opportunity to package uh, on tap beer. Um, but you're exactly right. You know, pizza is easy to keep. It, we have very little um, spoilage risk. You know, we, we don't, we, we essentially cut our salad off our menu. Anything that, that could, could drive food loss uh, up, we've reduced or eliminated off our menu. So, 
But other than that, we did not have to adjust nearly as much as you know a chef like Mike or, or any of other any of our other friends in F and B. Um, just because our our product just it keeps well, we're very lucky. You know, we got very very lucky. The the biggest issue is that obviously you know you know my staff, my front of the house staff, you know they they live on tips. So so how do I turn them into a delivery driver um, and still have them uh, you know, survive and pay their bills? So that that's really the biggest biggest challenge. But you know we were always a comfort brand, so it was a lot easier for us certainly than than Mike or, or the guys. Yeah, sure. The guys. sure. Um, so you, uh, talk a bit about, uh, about that delivery aspect of it. Like a a lot of the conversation, not just in Miami, but everywhere has been about, uh, you know, what is the best way to, uh, to execute deliveries at what point, you know, where do the apps fit? Where don't they, who do they work for? Who don't they work for? What's, Mm -hmm. what's your experience been with that? Because even if you, you know, delivery was, even if that was a part of your business before, it has to have been ramped up at this point. So, uh, Oh, certainly. Yeah. Talk a bit about how you see that. Yeah. And it never was, you know, we, we always relied on, uh, on the third party delivery services, uh, Uber Eats specifically to do our deliveries. It was always just a, you know, small supplemental income to, uh, ultimately with a focus to reduce that, that, you know, food labor as a percentage of gross revenue. So, now it's become the bread and butter. So um, it was frightening to me. You know, I, I have no idea how to run a delivery service. I assume there's some software you can use. You know, we're just a bunch of clowns with cell phones. So um, frankly, we just, you know, I'd have one of my folks here and then I would be here. And if we got a couple deliveries, we would just jump on. And, and we're starting to, to get that rhythm. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but the challenge is, you know, in a world where we, we have to pinch every single penny, um, Uber Eats is still, uh, they're still charging their full, you know, 30%, give or take, um, to, to the, the small business. So um, luckily they've waived their delivery charges for, um, for, for the folks that are ordering, which is fantastic, but we still have to, to squeeze out every last little penny we can. Sorry, there's some guys on ATVs out here. But... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters. It's chaos. But um, yeah, we still got to squeeze out every little bit of margin, you know, just to to be able to to cover as much of our payroll as possible and and pay our rent and whatnot. So, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, from an operational perspective, it's it's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. Sort of shifting gears a little bit. I um, sure. I, I know that you guys had uh, part of your menu tended to, and I don't know whether this was like a constant on the menu, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think there there usually tends to be some item on the menu that's like a collaboration with another restaurant in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you found that that's been at all? Like, are you working with any of those previous or, or even like uh, persistent partners, whether it's for ingredients or yeah. to sort of, you know, uh, sort of play off of each other's infrastructure? Uh, absolutely. That's a fantastic question. Um, yes. Now we've done a lot of work with uh, with Los Sanitos in the past and with Carl out there, um, and we're we're just ramping that up. One, from a social media aspect, just putting it in front of everyone's face, uh, all, all of our folks out here, just letting them know, hey, um, we're all in this together. You know, small business to small business, customer to small business. So that's a fantastic way to do that. So you know, we, we just got some some uh, uh, some more product from Carla. We're going to introduce meatballs on the menu. Um, and, and that's that's uh, really, you know, a means to an end of how do you become that that customer's true choice? You know, not, now more than ever, um, are they going to have that brand recall when they say, "Man, I'm hungry"? What are they going to think? Oh, let's get some strange beef pizza. You know, so as much as you can put your brand and your your tag or your Instagram handle in front of their face, you know, the better. Yeah. Um, now more than ever. Now more than ever, and that's a good way to do it. Exactly what you're talking about. Sure. So just to to end here, or at least my last question, of course, if there's anything that we haven't sure. touched on that you want to get into after we we can. Um, but I'm curious. Uh, you know, you're one of the people in the industry who had a previous life before food and beverage. Uh, you know. Sure. Uh, I, I wonder whether you know any of the any of this or, or through any of this, you feel like you've benefited from lessons that you learned outside of food. In your case, there was, uh, as far as I'm aware, there was, there was the military. Uh, and, yep. and I forget now whether there was something in between 
uh, in between the military and beer. Uh, yeah. But, uh, sure. but yeah, just to talk a bit about like, have you found yourself able to lean on past experiences in a crisis that hits food and beverage first and hardest? Yeah. You know, as cliche as it may sound, absolutely. You know, I was a, I was an intelligence officer in the air force for about seven and a half years. And then I did, um, some intelligence planning and some program management for a defense intelligence agency for about five years or so after that. So, um, and we, I went through a lot of crises, you know, uh, uh, crises, I guess I should say, sorry, part of the, uh, public school, uh, enunciation, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was one of the, the, the main Intel guys over at the unit there for, um, the, the horrible, horrible earthquake in Haiti. Um, and obviously I spent some time in Iraq dealing with that. And, and there's certainly parallels with this. There are certainly parallels with this. Humans are humans, you know, and, and in times when you have uh, impact of resources and, and infrastructure, um, be it a hurricane or be it a pandemic, uh, you see a lot of those parallels. Now, the one, one thing I, I will say, there's, there's kind of a saying that we used to say that's incredibly tongue in cheek. Um, but, uh, you know, Iraq used to say, hey, you know, everything's easier when you're at war. Um, and that, that, of course, only applies to one thing, which is that you have a common goal. Um, when you have a common goal, you know what you want to get done and you just do whatever you have to do. You being you and your team and, and, and your, your colleagues and you just do whatever you have to do to get to that goal. And um, I see a lot of that now. And um, when I went, you know, when I woke up, Two and a half weeks ago, I was thinking about, you know, hey, maybe we should make a tweak to this pizza or a tweak to this beer. Now it's I wake up and I know literally exactly what I have to do and exactly what my team's doing because our whole goal is very simple, which is to survive. So um, that uh, in a, some weird way makes things a little bit easier, you know, with my with my uh, animal brain, I guess. Right. Um, and. Um, but that's right. I mean, as you all know, that's probably about the only thing that's easier right now. So, yeah, uh, actually, I, I, I know yep. I said that was my last question, but I do have one more. I wonder um, sure. in Texas and maybe other states, but Texas is the only one that comes to mind right now. They, uh, I believe, lifted the even if only temporarily the restriction on restaurants delivering alcohol. It, it, it's, it's gone far, actually. Um, so in the state of Florida, and I'm certain I'm not a lawyer or a congressman or both, but um Two COP, so beer and wine license holders, have always had the opportunity to deliver um, with certain restrictions. Now, one of those restrictions are if you're also a manufacturer, you do not have that right. Um, now, that has recently been lifted um, with our Florida Brewers Guild working with uh, uh, folks up there. So um, now, you know, we're, we're pushing that, that delivery of beer and, and all that, which I think is, is amazing. And, and um you know, I, our folks, you know, up in uh, our folks up at the state level, uh, both our Florida Brewers Guild folks and, and um, our politicians, you know, uh, and even at the county local levels. It's it's um, it's really impressive that they, they've honestly been doing a really impressive job on uh, turning on a dime as much as you possibly can. Obviously, we all know our government uh, can be quite a bit bureaucratic, but at a time like this, it's nice to see them move at least on the local level. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, before we wrap up here, uh, is, is there anything we didn't touch on uh, that you, that you want to get into? And, and if not, we can just move into all of our shameless plugs. No, shameless plugs work. You know, I guess the, the only thing is, is um, anyone out there listening, you know, definitely uh, keep supporting as much, as long as you possibly can. And, and, uh, I guess that's about all I can say. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, my man. No, you got it, man. Thank you. And we'll uh, we'll have you on to like pull from the same pizza and crack open beers inside of a small yes. social distance and all that stuff soon. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Sounds all right. good. All right, brother. Looking Take forward care. to it. Thanks, Nick. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Next up, a call with Jason Schundorfer. Hours before we recorded this call, I was at Babe's Meat and Counter to pick up some sandwiches and steaks. The mood at Babe's was a mixed bag. On the one hand, the business uh, has been busy, and it's seen heightened demand from customers who prefer to avoid crowded grocery stores 
as much as possible in favor of smaller shops like his to enforce their own distancing rules. Uh, plus, there is still a desire to treat yourself, and Jason and Melanie have meat products you're unlikely to find in conventional grocery stores even outside the context of a pandemic. On the other hand, they're part of the broader restaurant community and have been struck with all of the uncertainty that comes with that while watching friends in the business struggle mightily. So here is the call with Jason. So Jason, thanks for uh, for getting on the call, man. Uh, I was over at Babe's earlier this morning, had your burger for the first time. It was awesome. So uh, that was a good time also. Uh, my parents enjoyed the Cuban sandwich, and we're going to be uh, – cooking up that, that New York strip in a little bit, all of which is to say, uh, I like all your stuff. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, that. So tell me a bit, you know, we spoke very briefly, uh, while I was over there, um, about how this weird time has been, uh, has been going for, for your business. But, um, tell me a bit about what things have looked like for you from, the time that everything was normal until now at, at what point did you feel which changes and how did you decide to adjust in response um i well i would say definitely um the the time, point in time that's really sticking in my head is um the day after they canceled the nba season um that night on wednesday night i believe about 10 11 days ago uh, I was watching Heat game, saw that they canceled the NBA season due to the coronavirus, and then they had the outbreak uh, with the player from Utah. And um, I told Mel that night, like, this is it was really getting real. We can keep an eye on the situation, but um, that was definitely a kind of like a canary in a coal mine right there. Like, you know, and sure enough, the next morning, Thursday morning, um, we started getting slams. All the grocery stores uh, around in, in the area and Costco and whatnot really started getting hit up um people were you know in panic mode um we were making jokes that it was like hurricane prep because everybody was you know seemed to be running on toilet paper and water and you know everybody was just doing like uh the reflexive move that we have down here of prepping for a hurricane um you know so this is kind of a whole different situation that we're going on um but that would definitely be the time i'd say that thursday morning um yeah after they cancel the nba season um you know, that, that was when it, it just seemed like everything got real. And, and since then, um, you know, we started seeing it in the, in the restaurant industry with friends of ours um, that were, having, you know, the restaurants were starting to, you know, turn their eye to it. Um, and then everybody just started getting affected. Um, you know, throughout the beginning, we were just kind of trying to keep our head above the water with the volume that we were experiencing because we sell, you know, we sell meat. So um, people were making runs on food. And, you know, we were, we were getting bombarded for, for meat orders. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was definitely the beginning there. Yeah. So, um, describe your business a little bit for the, for people who have never been or aren't from the area. Um, you know, cause it's, it is very different from the rest of the people that we're talking to in this string of, of phone calls that we're doing on the podcast. So just kind of give yeah. people a little bit of an overview of what you guys do. So we're a bit of a hybrid. Um, it, it's hard to explain. I mean, I can explain it to you, but it, it's hard to pigeonhole. We do, uh, we have a component that's kind of a bit of a custom butcher shop. So we, um, you know, butcher down and meat, cut meat and process meat um, to sell for a, a, in a retail butcher sense uh, and a deli kind of sense. Uh, but we're also a sandwich shop. So we produce all of the, the meat and ingredients that we make sandwiches and prepared food out of. Um, and then we also have a little bit of a market component. Um, we sell uh, beer and wine, cheeses, uh, gourmet items, and different like things to, to kind of pair with everything else that we got going on. So we're a bit of a different beast. To, we're not a straight-up full-service restaurant. Um, we do have a little bit of that component, but our menu is really geared towards um, takeout and carryout, which is you know kind of what's the model that everybody kind of has to operate on right now. So it wasn't hard at all for us to like, you know, pivot in that sense. We were already doing a lot of that, even though we had, you know, people eating in house as well. But, um, so we're, we're a little bit of this and a little bit of that, I guess is the best way right. that I like to, to say what we do. So talk a bit about, you know, what it's like being in the neighborhood you are not necessarily that specific neighborhood, but the part of Miami that you're in is like very suburban. Uh, and it's sort of removed from the heart of 
you know, the, the neighborhoods that people might associate with specialty products like yours? Because there's places like yours are not common in this area. How is that? Uh, how has that affected you? I imagine that on the one hand, you know, you might have had uh, customers who uh, you were sort of the obvious answer for them. But on the other, there might have been a lot of people who had no idea about you. Have you seen a lot of people coming in for the first time? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, people have been finding us out of necessity. And, and also the word of mouth has kind of ratcheted up. Um, we've always been built off of word of mouth. We started at the farmer's markets, um, our, our only form of advertising up until January this past year was Instagram and word of mouth. So um, this, you know, once everything started going down, our regulars were coming in um, wholeheartedly. And then, you know, we were seeing people that they had recommended coming in. Um, and especially once the grocery stores started, um, their supply chain started getting backed up. Um, we all kind of operate on a different supply chain than, than most of the major retailers. So we were, we've been able to maintain product this whole time. So people have been coming in, um, just kind of finding out just like the word on the street, like my neighbor told me or this, like you said, we're down in the suburbs. So, um, we're kind of a lot of people I think you know has always kind of kept quiet about us because they think we're a little bit of the diamond in the rough and they kind of want to keep it their little hidden gem keep a secret but um you know as, as food started getting scarce and the word started definitely ratcheting up for sure and and we've seen a lot of, of new folks coming in uh just simply because they happen to call us in yeah we have chicken we have chicken right now so uh, a lot of folks haven't had chicken for the past six seven days and and you know things like that um yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of growth uh, out of necessity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me a bit about how you've been um, interacting or engaging with uh, other people in the the food business in in the area. So, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, in the same way that a lot of customers, there was a, a, a heightened or at least a different uh, demand for your product. Have you found yourself also? Uh, with restaurants coming to you because there are similar supply chain issues there, or maybe they had to adapt and you know uh, look for ingredients or items that they weren't used to having to stock or, or get their hands on. Have you seen any of that kind of thing? And and just talk a bit about that interplay of of your business with some of the other ones that have been affected in different ways. Um, I can't say it's anything as far as needing product. If anything, it's kind of on, on the opposite of that direction. Um, you know, any restaurants that we had relationships with as far as supplying anything to, you know, unfortunately because of full service shutting down, you know, we've definitely say we're, there's no sort of any sort of wholesale or anything that there were, were just any chefs buying from us in that regards. Um, we've, you know, there's, uh, we kind of down South here is not, um, a very tight knit community as opposed to uh, north, you know, in the in the central part of Miami and other areas that, you know, we've also done a lot of events in and seen how, you know, a lot of these restaurants uh, work together. You know, down south is, is kind of, um, especially where we're at, I didn't realize what a, what a food desert in a way that it was uh, as far as like, you know, anything upscale or, or non-chain restaurant um, or, or like fast food. Uh, so we're we, sometimes I feel that we're just kind of, kind of out on an island down there. Um, you know, I know a few people that own, that own some places around, but um, everybody's just kind of been, I mean, as far as we've, we're concerned, we've just kind of been treading water, trying to keep our head above the water, you know, handling demand right now and just kind of laser focused on uh, keeping, <laughs> keeping our fort walls up and trying to, trying to survive and making sure that, you know, all the work that we've put in to, to be in here almost close to two years now that we've been open, um, you know, making sure that's for, you know, not, not threatened. Right, right. Uh, so when uh, when I was there, you know, we had a, also a brief conversation about some of the uh, I don't know if safety is the appropriate. I guess I mean it's a form of safety, but the you know the social distancing and the you know two people in the store at once, uh, which I mean for people listening who haven't been, I mean it is a small store, so it's not like you know you're talking about uh, you know a, a vast expanse of space, two people, uh, but two people in the store at once. Talk a bit about those changes. Um, and, and what it's been like sort of, you know, uh, designing these rules that have also sort of been in flux, uh, and how customers have responded. Cause, uh, you know, there's varying attitudes toward the whole thing, uh, among consumers. Absolutely. Outside. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, we've seen a wide range of, um, attitudes and behaviors in, re in response to what's going on right now. Um, we've, we've tried to stay proactive from the beginning, um, you know, because we're a place that processes meat and also 
cooks in a very small space. Like you mentioned, our, our place is barely a thousand square feet. Um, most of that is kitchen, but which is still pretty small. So we've always um, been very conscious in regards to like sanitary measures because cross-contamination between, you know, a lot of the raw products we deal with and fresh product is, you know, has always been a concern. So, you know, we are pretty proactive as far as enacting um, distancing rules. Um, I, at this point, my, my sense of time and space is a little messed up. So I can't remember exactly which day that I pretty much blocked off the entire back part of the, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have a very limited space right in the front, right? Basically the space in front of our meat counter and the space in front of our register. Um, whereas everything else has been uh, put a, kind of under quarantine, uh, not to make a joke, but like we stuck all of our products, you know, out of reach of customers. So we're not having people handle things beyond, you know, our employees. Um, and, you know, and then enacting, you know, the, the social distancing rules as far as, uh, you know, we had to initially shut it down to three people. Um, now we're down to two people just to make sure there's like ample space in between, um, you know, very conscious about, you know, sanitizing uh, the register and the counters and the, and the door um, pretty much after every customer leaves. Um, so it, it's, um, I, I, I've kind of been joking that it's been very soothing on my OCD um, that I get to clean so much now because uh, of all the just stress and anxiety that's been going around in regards to everything that's happening. Um, just being able to like spray Lysol around and, and, you know, uh, I've also joked that the smell of Lysol is either going to go one of two ways for me. I'm either going to have um, very fond memories of the, the sweet smell of Lysol that, that allowed us to survive through this, or it's going to be PTSD from all of the, uh, <laughs> the, if everything goes south, then, you know, right. uh, you know, we do hit the apocalypse and the Lysol is going to be a very bad memory, but, sure. you know, um, but yeah, I, I try to have some dark humor in these times, but um it's yeah it, it some folks haven't really been uh responsive to it um it definitely a week ago you know when we started getting clamping down on stuff a week ago you know people were some people were just acting like it was a huge inconvenience and like we were overblowing things and you know even even yesterday um you know we we've been enforcing the two person inside rule and and you know we had somebody that was kind of uh you know, upset by that. I, I don't know. I didn't hear any sort of comments, but, um, you know, Mike, Mike actually happened to be outside and kind of took some umbrage to it and, and, you know, told the guy a thing or two about why we were doing what we're doing and, you know, hopefully set him straight. But, you know, I've seen a lot of nonchalantness and a lot of folks acting like they're on vacation and this is, you know, <laughs> I'm just, this imagining, is nothing. I'm just imagining Mike in, some, in somebody else's parking lot yelling at customers about <laughs> When he told was see, I, I didn't I didn't know what happened and I, I happened he was waiting in line. Mike was waiting in line like we had asked everybody to do. If the store had two people in it, you know, wait outside and please wait in line until you can come inside. And Mike was waiting in line, I guess, saw somebody that, you know, wasn't really happy about why we were doing what we're doing and let him know, you know, kinda of how much of a jerk I guess he was being. I, I it was uh it was pretty funny to hear. It was a, a good little relief in the middle of a busy day, you know, when, when he told me <laughs> what he had done. And, you know, um, I don't know, sometimes it's just ignorance or, or, or folks think that, you know, everything is that we're invincible. Um, but the, the reality is, is I have friends, you know, I have a friend in Rome. I have a friend in San Fran. I have a friend in L.A. You know, I have friends, you know, around the world that I still keep in touch with. And I've, I've kind of been watching this develop for a while. And, you know, as it's come closer to us, my my threat levels have obviously raised. And, you know, unfortunately, there's people that aren't don't pay attention for whatever reason and maybe don't believe what's going on. And, you know, the, the attitudes kind of have been all over the place. For the most part, everybody's been really cool with it. They've some people have really appreciated what we've been doing because we've been very proactive about it. They're still, as far as I know, packing a couple hundred people in Publix and Trader Joe's and Costco and everybody else you know, together, um, you know, what kind of social distancing do you have in an aisle when you're like right upon people, you know, trying to grocery shop? Um, you know, I, I know that's not the case in, in Italy and other places where they, you know, allow a certain amount of people at a time and they kind of check you at the door and things like that. I, we're not there yet, but you know, I'm preparing for that. So I'm, I'm always trying to, we're trying to just be a step ahead of the game here and do what we can do to, to stay open and, and provide a service for people because, you know, we've kind of adapted what we've done, what we're doing and trying to sell more staple items is 
far as bringing in fresh produce um, on a regular basis. And I'm selling, you know, eggs uh, by the dozen and milk, you know, a lot of chicken now, which was never a focus of ours, but, you know, just trying to help people get what they need and, you know, during this time and trying to help them do it in the safest way. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, last thing, just, you know, tell me a little bit about how you see the, the broader, uh, let's, I mean, limiting it to food, restaurant, beverage, uh, but have you seen other people putting any, uh, like sort of implementing any new ideas or, um, or policies or, or services that you've thought like, oh, that's a cool idea, you know, whether it fits for you or not, but is there anything that you've seen that was like, especially interesting, uh, as sort of a, a colleague or a peer? Well, I, I just appreciate the creativity and the adaptiveness of people like, you know, I've, I, frankly, I'll be honest, I've never had a chance to go to San Dion's Pizza, but the first time I saw they were doing little pizza take-home kits, I thought, man, that's genius, you know? Um, you know, some of the stuff that, that Mike and, and them are doing over at Chugs and, and Ariette with the cantina and the takeout, um, you know, it's, it's difficult, I would imagine, if you were in fine dining to pivot quickly and, and redesign a whole menu based on a comfort food that's able to be, like, carried out and, and take out. It's, it's a whole different beast. So it's been interesting to see, you know, the folks around town that are that are doing that and, and getting very creative in, in how they're handling this um, as the best we can, because uh, frankly, you know, without the ability to adapt, like you're not going to be able to get through this, like, um, you know, trying to remain rigid and, and stubborn about, you know, the, the evolving changes that are obviously happening around us, you know, it, it's not it's not feasible. I don't see how you're going to last. So, um, any, any one in particular, I, off the top of my head, I can't think, I mean, I, we actually, you know, I take that back. We ordered Takiza yesterday, um, for our staff. Cause you know, we, like I mentioned, we've been fortunate enough to just have the, the right business model to be busy. And our staff has been getting crushed cause you know, we're, we're not staffed properly for what's going on right now. And we've all been working a lot. I've worked over a hundred hours in a week. Um, and so we got Takiza anyways, that's, a, a tangent, but um, they were Takiza's providing um, take like a free delivery on a, a family meal. So family four, they give you all the fixings, like you know everything that's required to make delicious tacos at your house, um, and deliver to your door. It's like sixty bucks. It's nice. It's a hell of a deal. Yeah, it's it was awesome. We we ordered a couple of those for the you know for everybody yesterday to kind of chill out after you know after the shift and um, it, it hit the spot and it's just you know. It, it, it's hard for people to pivot, but you know, the, the, the folks that are doing it and are getting really creative with it. And, um, you know, like what El Bagel, I guess El Bagel is also doing, like they just switched to an online system. He's been, you know, he's been really proactive. He shut the whole front of his store down and it's just doing, you know, online orders that people are just picking up on a, on a table, which is, you know, a super safe way to do it. As long as every, you know, um, everybody outside is acting right. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of creativity going around right now. And, you know, that's, that's going to be what hopefully gets us through this, you know? Yeah. So on a more, on a more personal note, uh, how are you, your family? And also you mentioned, you know, hundred hours a week, lots of Lysol. What do you, what do you do to <laughs> sort of like get your head right in between hundred hour shifts? Um, I mean, I'll be honest, it hasn't been easy. Um, I, you know, I, I do enjoy a beer, you know, a beer or two every night after work on a regular basis. Um, but initially, I, I'm not going to lie, the, the initial stress definitely caused me to have four or five beers in a night, you know, after, you know, getting crushed all day. Um, that's, you know, kind of uh, petered out now. That's not sustainable either. So I've, um, I've kind of, I got to say, I mean, starting the body starting to kind of adjust to it and found another gear that, you know, um, both me and Mel didn't realize that we had, I mean, we're, we're, we're both grinders. We started at the farmer's market. You can't be successful at a farmer's market. Um, I, I don't believe unless you're, you're fully capable of grinding out things because it's a really tough, um, it's a really tough way to come up. So, um, it, it's, it's been a struggle, um, but nothing that I don't think that we can't, it, I mean, our backs are against the wall. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know what else there is to say. It's, we're operating on fear and adrenaline at this point, right? So it, you either just <laughs> kind of curl up in a ball uh, or you you just get your back up and you stand up and you fight. Like, that's all there is. Yeah. 
Uh, is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to make sure we get into or, or some aspect of your experience that we sort of left alone? Um, no, I mean, I, I think that pretty well sums it up. I mean, I, I, it's been honestly killing me just to kind of see the carnage that's happening, you know, throughout the, the greater hospitality industry. I mean, with the hotels and the restaurants and everything that's going on, like trying, you know, we've been really busy. So I've been able to stay distracted in that sense, but then, you know, the downtimes that I'm able to kind of see the carnage that's happening. It's, it's, you know, it, it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster. but sure. uh, you know, we, we've, we've gotten to know a lot of people in this industry around town and gotten close with a lot of folks and just having to hear about, you know, my, my, my biggest fear as an employer is having to like lay off somebody for no good reason. And right. you know, this is the season of that right now. And it's, it's brutal. It's brutal, man. I don't know. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Hopefully sometime soon we'll have, uh, all this Corona stuff behind us and we can, uh, invite you on for like a normal in-person podcast. Uh, maybe drink those five beers with the microphones in front of our faces and all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably, we'll definitely need a beer once we get through this one. So. All right, brother. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Thank you. We'll round out this episode with a call with Deandra Lamas, Yelp's senior community manager in Miami. We talked about how she's adjusted for the COVID-19 outbreak, which has brought a spike in screen time, as well as a new kind of demand for community. In addition, she told us about some initiatives that Yelp is launching to aid ailing businesses. Thank you, Deandra, for, uh, for joining us. I know this is a huge honor for you. I know that you're super excited about being able to be on this podcast. Congratulations, really. So, good job. Thank you so much. This is this is really, truthfully, a career highlight. I am a fan of the podcast, along with your followers in Salina, Kansas. Um, and I really appreciate you for having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. I really, I, I hope this does good things for you. I really think people are going to start to find out about this Yelp thing. Uh, so, it's going to be big. It's going to be big for everybody. This is a huge, a huge day for, sure. for Yelp Miami. Uh, so, and for Funkin' Podcasts. So, so uh, let's let's start this kind of the way that, that we've been starting uh, a lot of these other conversations about the coronavirus thing. And, and I know that you've heard some of them. Um, tell me a little bit about what the timeline looks like for you going from when things were normal until about now. And like at what points or in response to what things did you and Yelp uh, make what sorts of adjustments, which of course is going to look a little bit different because most of the other people we've spoken to are uh, in the making and serving food business in some form or another. Right. So I think um, like in terms of the, the what's going on of people having to work from home now, I've always worked from home. So that hasn't been um, something that has been a major change for me, but in terms of my job, our mission is to connect people with great local businesses. And a big way that I do that is through events. And so earlier in um, March, when we realized that things were going the way that they were going, we made the decision to postpone our March events. Um, and so really from there has been when things have, have adapted because we've shifted um, what our time is spent on from like being outward facing in the community and bringing people together to bringing people together virtually and like, having to, to figure out how we can get resources out for both our Yelp users and also for business owners too. Got it. And so uh, tell me, let's get a little bit deeper into that. Like what have your, uh, you know, where before you would have engaged in events, what are some of the examples of that transition that you had to make? Um, yeah. So, so let's say instead of like putting the effort into like host these events and network with business owners, what, what I've really shifted to doing is doing that all kind of on a digital platform. So if you wonder like, what does a Yelp community manager do day to day? It's a burning question for a lot of people, including my mom. Um, But really it's, we're interfacing now with like consumers and business owners. So the major thing that we're working on right now is keeping people updated um, on what businesses are doing. So my community coordinator, Tia and myself, um, we're working every day to create these lists that are housed on Yelp. Um, that feature updates of like businesses in Miami offering takeout and delivery. Um, That's our biggest list right now. It has over 450 businesses 
um, that are growing every day. And we're getting that information from people tagging us on social, um, as well as business owners sending us information. Um, and we're using two kind of grids that are really uh, important right now. One is the Miami Eats um, grid, which is hosted by the GMCVB, where restaurants can go in there and put what they're offering. So we update from there. And then we're also using an awesome grid by our friend Dana, who is Miami Food Porn. Um, and so we kind of look at both lists multiple times a day and make sure that we reflect the most current information, even though, you know, things are evolving constantly, right? Um, and then something else that we started doing is uh, meet the owner business series on social, which we kicked off with um, Chef Mike from Ariette. And it's been really impactful to hear these stories. And I think when you have a large like following base, it's just really important to let people know um, what these business owners are going through. So when you say like support local and when you're asking people to support local now more than ever, um, it, it shows you why. Like today we just put up um, something from Harry, who's the owner of Harry's Empanadas, where he said, you know, like three days ago, he walked into his business and he went into like a really dark place because he didn't know what he was going to do. And then when he opened his doors the next day for takeout and what they've adapted to, he like felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude and like hope that they were going to make it through it. So um, supporting your community right now more than ever is, is super important. Um, and so getting those resources out of how people can do like contactless delivery or pickup or um, takeout right now. And then not just um, FMB, you know, like our gyms are affected by this. They, they can't have members in their classes, right? So a lot of them have shifted to virtual um, fitness classes. And then small retailers or like artists are doing these like live um, classes as well. And so since we've seen that shift of other businesses offering virtual services, it's we're kind of trying to adapt as a company and offer certain tools on the Yelp app to show if a business has shifted to offering these virtual services or like consultations and things like that. There's a bunch of new product rollouts that are coming um, in the next couple of weeks that you'll see. So one of them we just announced today, which we've, we've partnered with GoFundMe. And so people across um, the country will see a GoFundMe donate button um, and it will support businesses in the restaurant, nightlife, um, fitness, and beauty categories, which is something that I think is really exciting um, for people to be able to, from the comfort of their own home, like directly support their favorite local businesses. Um, so we're, we're trying to adapt as a company to meet the needs of our consumers and our business owners. And those are just like some of the things that, that we've been working on um, and some of the information that we're putting out there. Right. So, uh, I mean, obviously all of that involves some amount of content creation, which before I imagine would have meant you and others actually out on the street and basically behaving in a very different way than you would now. Talk a bit about how uh, the creation of that content that people would consume, you know, you have sort of a new, uh, a new focus in terms of what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to shine a light on, but ultimately that involves copy and pictures and video. Uh, what, what does the change look like there? And, and I'm especially interested because I think, uh, you know, there are probably a lot of business owners uh, who are dealing with some of that same challenge, you know, where before they were already kind of like amateur, uh, you know, content creators for their own marketing purposes. I wonder what, you know, uh, people like you all uh, have, have done to sort of, you know, uh, continue to do that in light of all these new uh, circumstances. Yeah, well, like we're super lucky that we have a rich amount of content content um, on the Yelp site. So when it comes to like, if you're meaning like pictures for us to be able to put out there, like we can pull them from there um, since we're not going out as, as much as before. But like, we're also each doing our part, like PNI to go out and get content in a safe social distancing manner, right? To support like that whole takeout or the retail business, right? That are offering different things. Um, and then for business owners, I've just seen a change of like, the fast pace of communication. Like everybody is going through so much, but they all want to get their word out. So in terms of like where before it might've been like emails back and forth, like a lot of things are happening via like DMs or even text because like that's just kind of the, the, the rapid pace that things are moving. So we're doing our best to adapt to get their information out there in the best way. And then um, we have a lot of resources, thankfully, like that come from our, our team, um, like in HQ that we're able to create these series or create this content. Um, and I think 
for a business owner that's looking to get those resources or like to understand how to best utilize like their platforms. Um, there are a lot of really good PR agencies in Miami that are hosting like these, everybody's going Instagram live. Um, so they're hosting these like tutorials of, of how to best get their business out. But like in terms of utilizing Yelp as a resource, um, we have an awesome blog that not only has information for consumers of like, we just put up a blog post of how to adjust to working from home. Um, but we have like a lot of business owner resources for them to realize or understand how they can tap into like the Yelp, Yelp release that we're putting out um, for them to understand like the, the tools that they have available to them to manage their business pages. Um, and then for, for like regular everyday kind of questions that they might have. So the, the blog is a good resource for them to go to if they need it. Yeah. And how have you seen uh, change in the way that let's call them consumers or users uh, are engaging on Yelp? Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's got to be, there's some of the obvious things, right? Like people are more interested in things like pickup and delivery. Uh, but what other sort of shifts have you seen in people's behavior and, and, and what the demand is from them? Um, I mean, I can only speak to that like kind of anecdotally and what I've seen, but I think something that I've seen across the board, both on social and on Yelp is just people are like longing for connection since they can't have like that physical connection. So in terms of like, who I'm mostly in contact with on the Yelp app, which is like my Yelp elite squad. I have members of them like reaching out to me and checking in with me and like sending compliments, which is something that we have on the site. So just drop a note that, you know, everyone's doing okay. And I have seen people, you know, writing reviews, like updating that they're doing takeout during this time of like their favorite local businesses to just give the business kind of that nod of like, we still remember you and we're still here for you. And like, thank you for supporting and providing us this service during these times. Um, and I think again, people like, I don't know if you got your screen time report the other day, but mine was pretty incredible. Um, and I think since more people are spending time on their phone and looking for things to do, I think as we progress and offer these different tools of like who's um, giving these virtual services or gym classes, like that's gonna be really helpful to people that are looking to engage with their business community, but like find that information from a centralized source, like the Yelp app, which people are used to using to find something to do or buy, right? Right. So, um, you know, more, more so than even a lot of the people who, a lot of the business owners we're talking about, I think that you uh, and, and people in your position sort of have your finger more on the pulse of what the broader trends and shifts are of how people are changing their product offering. So, for example, like I think today or tomorrow, uh, Chugs is supposed to be making a sort of adding or, or shifting to like a bodega market model. I know Threefold did something similar that we've brought up a few times here. Um, had, what changes have you seen that that you've thought were especially interesting and that it would be worth sort of highlighting and and bringing attention to? Because who knows who else might benefit from you know trying to replicate those those ideas. Yeah. So, I mean, I just made um, dinner last night using groceries that I bought from Threefold. Um, I think that that is such an interesting and awesome idea because instead of going to like a, a bigger grocery store, you're going to a local business that in turn can continue to support their local suppliers. Right. Um, but then get you what you need. Like I bought toilet paper at Threefold, which is great. Right. Um, I also have seen like people get pretty creative in terms of what they're offering like for drinks. Um, so I know I bought um, a stash of wine from Ariette that's offering it at like discounted prices, but I know places like Fukia and Finca are doing like cocktails, uh, which I think is, is really cool. Um, and then I've seen like going back to like the beauty industry, right? Like people can't get their nails done right now um, or anything aesthetic, right? So I've seen places like shift on their online platforms to giving tutorials like how to take off your gel manicure, Vanity Projects just put that up and that's actually really useful. Um, fitness places, again, doing um, online workouts just to keep their customers or potential customers engaged. Um, I think I've seen businesses like turn to doing uh, live, like how to make this cocktail or like chefs um, going on live to, to cook at home. Um, we're working on something with culture crusaders to share recipes from like 
favorite chefs around town of like things from their restaurants and how people can make that at home. So I'm really excited for that to roll out this week. Again, um, I think people are just trying to stay relevant to their customers. So they've had to shift what they're doing um, to be able to do that online, which people were, would have been accustomed to doing in person. Um, and then something else that I really liked is um, taking it away from FMB. Like there's parents at home with their kids right now that are adjusting to that online education, but they also have like a lot of time of things that they need to figure out to do. So I saw um, the, the singer actress Marcella, who was in the Amparo experience. She's hosting these like acting classes and workshops for kids virtually. Um, there's local artists that are offering tutorials of like how to paint and then like selling these kits to ship to your home for you to like do self portraits or things like that. I saw that from the art box. Um, I, again, I think I'm just really inspired by people's craftiness and ingenuity because they're just fighting to, to stay like afloat in terms of like getting things out there to their customers. So that's something that I find really inspiring. Yeah. Are there, um, are there, let's call them like industries or sectors or categories of, uh, of business that, um, where there's been, maybe they've been hit especially hard, or maybe they've done something especially interesting that, uh, that you've seen and that you've seen, like that hasn't really been talked about all that much. The thing is that there's so many stories to tell, right? Like there's the, the shit is hitting the fan everywhere <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's impossible for local media to catch it all. But one of the things that I think is interesting is that, you know, you guys sort of have, uh, you know, your, your hands in everything by virtue of the fact that everybody's on Yelp. Uh, is, is there mm-hmm. something that, that you've thought like, oh man, I wish more, I wish more people knew of this thing that we're seeing. I can't think of anything like, like that. I just think of things that I'm seeing in the news, like maybe from other cities, how sure. like I just saw, um, in, in Boston, like the city is paying restaurants to make food for people who are now affected by homelessness, right? Um, I've seen big brands step in to support um, and offer like family meals for those in the industry, the SMB industry who have been affected. Um, and I think that that's really special. And I also think um, seeing things like restaurants offering discounts to like healthcare providers and first responders. So like those people who are helping us stay safe every single day. Um, that's something that I think is really commendable as well. But in terms of like something really um, interesting, I just think in general, like adaptability, right? Like all businesses are being adaptable to try to give um, consumers what they need and to also help to keep their like staff and families afloat. Yeah. Yeah. It, and maybe some of this is just like asking your own personal perspective, but for all I know, you have had conversations with other people at Yelp about this. Are are you anticipating uh, that there will be any particular sort of like lasting, very long-term uh, effects? So for I mean, I'll give you an example. The Some of the market stuff that we were just talking about, you know, uh, I've spoken to at least a couple of, uh, of restaurant owners who've made that change who've talked about like, you know what, I might just keep this thing as a permanent fixture of my business. Uh, Mm -hmm. So whether in restaurants or anywhere else, have, have you seen things that you sort of think like this is going to be with us for a long time? I definitely think like personally and professionally, the, the fact that people are doing like groceries at restaurants, I think that that's amazing because again, a lot of these restaurants are buying from local farms, um, you know, and, to be able to give consumers the ability to support local farms in a way that is not just by eating out and ordering a dish at a restaurant. I think that's awesome. Um, I also think gyms or other services offering like online tutorials is something that will stay like this. We're going to come out of this and be stronger for it, but also totally different. Um, And I think since we're going to be quarantined for like at least these 30 days, um, people are going to get used to that, like virtually hanging out. So I think that is is with us to stay, for sure. Yeah. Um, so just to to wrap up, give me a picture of what this has looked like for you. I know that you're saying that you've already worked from home for the most part, uh, you know, before all this. But uh, what else has it done? Have you have you learned to cook a new thing? Have you? Uh, I don't know what 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 is Deandra like after the outbreak as compared to before? 
hopefully not um, 15 pounds heavier from all of the takeout that I have been consuming. But I think, again, the, the adjustment to being from home is that part is not hard, but like to have to be at home all the time. Like when I grew was growing up, my abuela always used to say I had like pata caliente. So I always wanted to be out doing stuff, which is totally true. Um, so thankfully, we're still able to do like pickups at places, uh, because if not, I think I would be going crazy in my house. Um, and then it's just, you think that you have a lot of time, but like when you're compiling all of this information, like I haven't had that much free time or, and I haven't been like cooking as much as I would regularly do. Um, but I have been going on outdoor runs a lot more, which is really, um, nice. And thankfully in terms of like my family, everyone, is, is fine. Like my mom works for the cruise industry. So that's been kind of stressful. Um, and like my abuela's in an ALF, so we can't see her right now, which is for the best. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Quarantine Deandra is just trying to stay positive and do whatever I can to like get this word out and have people continue to support local. Yeah. Uh, so before we wrap up, last thing I wanted to ask was just whether you have any recommendations for business owners, like best practice during the pandemic type stuff on Yelp. Like, are there things that you wish for their own sake that business owners were doing more of on Yelp? Maybe a feature they're not utilizing enough or, you know, what, what should people know in terms of how they can best use that as a resource, uh, during this time? Yeah, so I know obviously everybody is is really busy, um, but I think the most important thing for business owners to do is to claim their page. A lot of businesses are already claimed, but if they're not, that's definitely my number one tip of advice. And if people need help learning how to do that, it, you can email me at miami at yelp.com. Um, from there, you have like all of the relief efforts that we're putting forward for local businesses accessible to you. Um, and you also have like the ability to capture that GoFundMe that we just um, launched today, right? Um, and then you also have a bunch of other things like calls to action, making sure your hours are open and like up to date, um, making sure that like if you offer delivery, people know that and things like that. So claiming is definitely the start to unlocking everything um, on the app. And I'm here available as a resource if, if people need help with that. Um, and then going to the Yelp blog to find out the different tools and how to use those tools is like the second thing that I would hope um, that everybody can do. Um, and then in terms of like keeping us updated, like keep us updated either via email or social, and we will do everything we can to keep the community updated as well. Cool. All right. Uh, anything we didn't touch on that you want to get into? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think just like, I guess my closing words and something that I've said to like a bunch of people is just, Miami is a city, like when it gets tough, like we get tougher and like I'm continuously inspired by everyone's kind of adaptability um, and resiliency through this. And like, I know how hard it is for people, but like people are supporting local more than I have really ever seen. And it's really beautiful to see the city come together. All right. So with that, we'll wrap up. Thanks again for the time. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. Thanks to John, Jason, and Deandra. We hope that this has brought you at least some entertainment, if not also some enlightenment and a sense of awareness of what's going on outside of your self-quarantine. We'll be back soon with another episode. As always, you can find past episodes at dademag.com slash podcast and follow Bangkong Podcast on all of the social media things at Bangkong Podcast. Leave us reviews, share the episodes on social media so your friends find us, and make sure that you are subscribed wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Also remember that you can go to dademag.com, that's D-A-D-E-M-A-G.com for more stuff, including episodes of Step Into the Sandbox, a podcast that is about interviews with creatives hosted by David Verjano. Last but not least, consider supporting the work we're doing over at patreon.com slash dademag. Believe it or not, this stuff is free to listen to, but not quite free to bring to you. So you can support us with as little as a buck a month, and that actually gets you access to some exclusive content that is only available to our patrons. Also, FYI, over the coming weeks, we will be randomly selecting patrons uh, 
in our Patreon page. So if you're, you know, in other words, people who are supporting us with at least a dollar a month on Patreon, uh, and we'll be selecting them to ship them signed copies of books written by past guest chef Norman Van Aken. So uh, we've got a stack of books that Norman has signed for us. And if you're supporting us there, you have a shot at winning in those totally random drawings. All right. So that's it. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you soon.